Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. And welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise, praise him. him. Praise <gasps> him. Praise him. Oh, wamba, he's being wamba. praised. He's yeah. being praised. Uh, today <laughs> we're going to be talking about Jackie at the MTC and Shakespeare in Love by Must. Oh. You simply must. Oh, you must. <laughs> you simply must. Um, <laughs> lovely to be here. Excited to talk to you all. Um, let's get into it. Okay. Fine. Hi, James. Hi, Jake. Hello. Oh, God. <laughs> um, nice to see you. Sure, it's fine to see you. Okay. But I don't like to, I don't like to lie to people. That's more hurtful. <laughs> um, here we are, doing Praise Dionysus. Praise praising him. him. Yes. Um, excited to be here. Mm-hmm. How has your week been? <laughs> your week been? What? Nothing. No, no, I just like to just float the cold narration of the cold heart facts. Yeah, I don't know why I've gone with this. I'm wearing a t-shirt. I am I'm sitting down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. No, we do this standing up. We do it on a treadmill, actually. Work it into our type five. <laughs> yes, like mm. Courtney Kardashian and He's All That. <laughs> Once again, yes. I don't know what that is. You didn't see He's All That? I know it exists. The Edison Ray helmed remake of She's All That? No. Or would you consider it to be a sequel? I wouldn't consider it to be anything. Uh, yeah, you're just not considering I it as a consider film. I don't consider it, yeah. Anyway, yes. Uh, how was your week, you big lump of lard? <laughs> um, <laughs> first off, thank you for the sweet, sweet nickname. That's okay. I, um, how was it? Here's an update for everyone who cares. Oh. Work update. Work update! The ding, tooth- ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Yes. Ring the bell! <laughs> the toothless villain who was ruining my workplace <laughs> hath been vanquished! Okay. <laughs> he resigned I last just week. Went, oh! Wait, what were you Sorry, no, to say? No, I was just going to point out, when we spoke about this beforehand, you said, that we can't sound evil and vindictive on the podcast. You thought I sounded evil and vindictive? I mean, you said the toothless villain that works and you're like that. Yes. Okay, great. Well, as long as you know. Villain in the way that one would define the word villain. I'm not suggesting that he has like a cape and can fly. Like, like just... a superhero. Yes. Okay. <laughs> great. As long as we're on the same page. Yes. So the toothless villain. The toothless villain. Has stopped working. Toothless yet. not in the metaphorical sense. He famously has no chompers because oh. of an altercation. Oh. Not with me. As far as the police are concerned. Allegedly. 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 Um, yes, he had his last shift the other day. Oh. And now he's gone. And that is a testament to many things. One of them being witchcraft. Another of them being, if you, if your rights and your safety is not being honoured at your workplace, go about fixing that. <laughs> Through legal channels. They exist. I'm very grateful for all that I've been forced to learn about occupational health and safety and so forth. Yeah, it has come up a lot for you. It has, and I don't know why I attract these stories. But it's finally culminating in victories. What do you mean, finally? There have been other victories. Well, there have been other victories, but yeah. I mean, this, this is a good victory. This is a big victory. <laughs> this is hooray for Jake. Indeed. And for justice generally, which I am an advocate for. Justice generally. Justice generally. General justice. Hello. Welcome back to Justice Generally. <laughs> I lost that. Well, am I a season. judge in this show? Uh, justice generally. I guess, like, you are a judge but it's just like really boring crimes oh why like, boring because it's just general you uh, know so it's nothing like, super specific no exactly it's like uh this guy's in for like i don't know <laughs> like no one really knows what's going on oh sure. and me trying to like <laughs> me doing like my like weird like cutaway confessional segments of the show it's a lot of legalese and a lot of very like detailed like yes. okay yes but his sister who is also obese <laughs> accidentally did this thing three years prior which yeah. i will now detail so she was on a motorcycle with her deaf cousin I and he that. was on the run not from a crime but from a very big dog and that dog was racist <laughs> 
that sort of thing. I just wanted to see how long you could go. I would watch that. I would watch that. Yeah. yeah. Just like slowly figuring it out, but making it more complicated as you go on. Yes, there is no real mystery, but it's hard to follow. Please just sentence him. Please just sentence him. Now, hold on a second. Are you telling me that he was living in Alabama? Oh. Ten years ago? That's a whole different thing. And then the whole audience goes, oh. Uh, <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's more convolution Justice than it is much. Generally, <laughs> justice, common generally. It does sound surprisingly specific. <laughs> A lot of detail. By the end of it, it's pretty specific. Um, okay, so the villain has left your work. He has. That's really exciting news. Uh huh. Uh huh. But by the laws of soap opera, he will return at some point soon. In a cape. In a cape, perhaps, mm. or a wheelchair. Oh, did you ever watch the part? No. <laughs> I was going to ask if you'd seen Passions, no. and there is no chance that There's you no did. There's no way I've seen Passions. Not at all. You've seen seven TV shows, and they are all set in space. Most of them are, yeah. I've yes. been watching the new Star Trek series. I'm quite excited about the new one coming out. I'm Talk glad to, to me about it. Why are they... Jesus. How is there another one coming They've out? They've got like a, a crossover with like live action and animated characters. It's very exciting for Just me. because space is so big doesn't mean we need like a show yes, to cover do. the whole thing. Yeah, we do. Infinite possibilities. Make more shows. As long as they're good, I'll watch them. Ugh, nope. <laughs> I'm allowed to like things. Oh, absolutely you yeah. can, but I will stop you. Okay. <laughs> and I will do it soon. <laughs> Anything else, Jake, with your week? You want to get a rating? Oh, I went to the movies by myself because no one <laughs> had any interest. Sad, lonely loser. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I am single. Why <laughs> I went to the <laughs> what I, I just what I didn't let the universe know. <laughs> I <laughs> I went to the movies by myself. <laughs> cool thing <And> to say. <laughs> Um, and I saw, uh, uh, partly because when I invited people, they heard, like, the premise and they just seemed to sort of, like, suddenly be very busy that afternoon. Mm. But I was like, um, it was a gay Moroccan movie. Oh, great. Um, oh. yes, it's called The Blue Caftan. Oh. And it's about, like, this very handsome 40-something-year-old man, and he runs a caftan store with his sick wife. <laughs> oh And he is really good at, like, making very traditional, handmade, like, like clothing and caftans specifically for mm. the people in his Moroccan town. Mm -hmm. and so it's in Morocco. It's in Morocco. Uh -huh. <laughs> and yeah, so they're talking the language they speak in Morocco. And <laughs> What's that, Jake? It's Moroccan. <laughs> <laughs> if the boat's Moroccan, don't come don't up. Don't Unless you know what language they speak in Morocco. I should know that. Do they speak in Morocco? You think... Okay, Jake is going to Google that yeah. while I regale you all with the, yeah, <laughs> what, I, I am what the blue caftan is about. So he runs this store with his very, very sick wife. She gets progressively more sick in Morocco where they live. They've also employed, in order to keep up with demand, they've employed this like very, very beautiful man to help them make the caftans. And he's sort of like an apprentice caftan maker. Mm. You're looking like you've just... Arabic. They speak Arabic. They speak Arabic and Standard Moroccan Berber. Berber? Berber. That's a nice that word. Yeah, it's a great word. Sure. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> yes, so they're speaking Arabic. <laughs> they're speaking <laughs> Arabic safe. in Morocco uh -huh. alongside the Berber they also speak. If the, if the Moroccan is a Rockan, you better, you better speak you Arabic. Speak in Arabic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> maybe steer clear of this. So they've employed this really hot guy to help them make caftans at the pace required of their small business. Mm. And then there's just like, ugh, I love a yearn, especially a gay yearn. Oh god, yeah. There's just a lot of scenes of like the hot apprentice like spinning gold thread and the 40-something year old gay husband, secretly gay husband, oh. um, just like watching him do it and a lot of just like 
their hands touching for a second. Oh, yes. Or like, I'll just, I'll, I'll help you use these scissors more efficiently. And like standing behind him, like he's teaching him how to do a tennis oh, swing. God. And just a lot of like, oh, I'm sort of secretly smelling the back of your neck. That type oh, of, stop And it. it's just like, oh my goodness. That sounds, I'm going to have to watch that. It's really good. And I just want to say, I'm not going to spoil it because I think it's definitely worth watching if any of this appeals to you. It was also just like fun to see what Morocco's like. Sure. Um, but yeah, just a lot of like, just which I'm just always going to be into of just like, watching these three people, like the sick wife, the hot husband, and the sexy apprentice, and them kind of like coming to terms with the complexity of all of their entwined relationships and the mm. way that they all care about each other. Yeah, right. And just, yeah, what, watching these performers express it in the way that they do. Oh, that sounds great. Just like embracing how complicated the very, ge- like, <laughs> the, the, I don't know, the unspecifiable complexity of, like, the spectrum of what love can mean for people, you God, know? That sounds amazing. And to see three people in such weird positions learn to potentially become comfortable with the way that their hearts work in these circumstances. It was a really good time. That sounds really great. But I, I went through by myself. I got lost. The way- when you were looking for people to go with, you must just have not messaged me. Well, you just famously don't like Morocco. I do say that a lot. You do. It's one of your catchphrases. Yeah, I keep saying they speak Arabic in Morocco. (laughs) And also, I don't like it. (laughs) Yes, when something bad happens, you always throw your hands to the sky and say, at least we're not in Morocco. (laughs) Where they speak Arabic. Yes. Yeah. Um, Let's hope that doesn't get taken out of context. Okay. (laughs) Well, that sounds like a really good little time, actually. I'm really glad it happened. I liked it. Good on you. Mm -hmm. So rate your week. My week, I'm going to say, I'm going to give it maybe oh, 306 stars. Because mm-hmm. I think that's how many little curly details he had to add in, like add into this blue caftan he was making throughout the movie. Oh, beautiful. It's so detailed. It's hard to make a good caftan. It's a good amount of stars. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And a good amount of little swirls. In a caftan. For the eventual owner of that difficult to construct caftan. Who ended up owning the... No, don't tell me. I'm not going to spoil no, 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 it. No, maybe he doesn't even finish the caftan. Maybe it's lost in a fire. These are options. Those are good options. Good movie. Great. Sounds it. I actually do want to watch that. It reminds, sounds like it uh, reminds me of, what's that movie where it's like set in the English countryside? Is it called like God's Own Country or something? Um, or No uh, Country for Cold Men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, but right, where will well, we live? <laughs> that's like the um, uh, British family and there's like a young son who's helping out on the farm. And then there's like this sort of Eastern European uh, migrant worker that comes and works for them. And they just have a very like turbulent sort of flirtatious yearning for each other Mm -hmm. that that culminates in just some very gorgeous scenes. It's just a very nice movie. I feel bad for, like, not traditionally attractive farmhands looking for work. (laughs) Yeah, right? They're not going to get employed. Well, but even think of, like, the young children, like, the secretly gay boys that are like, oh, that, like, hot farmhand is starting work today. Mm. Can't wait to get home from school and definitely see a hot guy bailing hay with an open shirt. And then you get there and it's like... Fob. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Which in 99% of the time is fob. Most people aren't super hot. Which every time I've ever had a, a trainee come over to the house, it's always been fob. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> and you're been. disappointed because of oh, media. absolutely. Because um, of what stories have taught you to believe. Because of pornography, yes. Oh, because of porn. That yeah. documentary that you indulge in so often. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's my favourite series. It's my favourite thing that I watch. <laughs> uh, my week, thanks for asking. It's been mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um... I did... Okay, so I got the results from my sleep study back. Oh, right. Because <laughs> they wanted you to snooze with those electrodes on your schnoz. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I haven't told Jake this because I thought it would be funny to hear on the podcast. So this is Jake's reaction. Okay. Like, and you're unboxing. expecting it to be funny? So I, I don't know. Sort of terminal it's definitely a surprise. <laughs> definitely a... Se- <laughs> I have one week. <laughs> hmm? I went in to see my sleep specialist. Okay, your sleep um, specialist. My sleep specialist. Sophie? Sophie Stevens, no, your sleep specialist? No, no. I think it was, his name was Paul. Paul. 
Yeah. Paul Fanathan. Well, I'm not going to tell you his full name, am I? Okay. But his provider number is no. So I went to see Paul, the sleep specialist, yeah. uh, with Flynn. Flynn came with me because I have is that your McCall? my boyfriend. Ah! Two years. Oh Jay. my god! You got a boyfriend. Old. You I've got, got a boyfriend, boyfriend just to see Paul. I do. Two oh, years. It's been god. wonderful. Two years. I'm glad Paul Fanathan got to meet him. I'm still yet to have just the pleasure. <laughs> So, Flynn and I went to see Paul. Yes. Um, because I realised I have half a brain at the best of times. Uh-huh. So I, And Flynn is like a very detail-oriented, very smart, intelligent person. So I was like, please come with me. So he came with me and sat in on the, on the, on the appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know how much I said about the sleep specialist appointment last time. But the dark, when I lay down with all those diodes, I felt like I was awake for eight hours. I slept for like 40 minutes. Mm. And then I thought that I did really like poorly with my sleep the rest of the day. Mama. I slept for seven and a half hours during that sleep study. Even though you thought you, you slept yep. for 45 minutes? Exactly. Oh. I was asleep with good, healthy levels of sleep mm. for seven and a half hours. Okay. And I thought I was awake for eight hours. And I genuinely thought I had slept 40 minutes. Oh. Genu- and I felt tired. Okay. Like, I, f- I still feel tired every morning. But now I have the added bonus of not knowing if maybe it's just my brain. So forgetting that you were ever asleep. Gen- yes, yeah, something like that. So that was a fun, confusing curveball. And that's what Paul Sanderson told you. He was like, "Here's the results," and showed me the actual charts of my brain. Like, here's you sleep. This is good, healthy sleep here for like seven uninterrupted hours. So you made the whole thing up. <laughs> You're busted. I'm bu- <laughs> it's, it's out. No, I haven't made it up. I think now the next step is seeing a doctor uh, with some sort of test. What? <laughs> I need to find a quack that can just. I need to find a quack that can quack this case wide open. <laughs> Someone can just like verify and validate your lies. Well, yeah, basically. <laughs> I need someone that will tell people that I can't sleep because <laughs> I wake up and I feel exhausted. You yeah. know, like I'm always tired mm. and I never feel rested and I feel like I'm awake all the time. Yeah. So I'm gonna go and see a doctor to get some sort of. ADHD test or something adjacent because I I have a feeling it's definitely in the brain because the body is fine. Like we've proven, <laughs> you know, we've proven that the the body is fine. I can sleep and I do sleep. Yeah. So now did I Paul Fanathan verify that? Yes, he was. Your like, body is fine. Like you're not tossing, you're not turning, you're oh, yeah. sleeping very normally. Okay, great. Uh, you're not snoring. You're not. You know, there's nothing in your airway that's mm-hmm. preventing sleep. So. I'm going to go and see a doctor to be like, yeah, test me for like something in the brain mm-hmm. because it's clearly something there because okay. I, I can't feel like I can't get to sleep. And I know there are nights when I don't sleep because I check the time and uh, like I am uh. consistently awake. Okay. So it is still, re- I don't know anymore. So I'm going to go and see a doctor and ask for more answers. Mm-hmm. So that's my fun. Are you worried that you're yeah. somehow like trapped in some sort of inception dream within a dream? Like maybe this isn't the real world. Maybe you're one layer deep and you've just forgotten. Don't do that to people. No, James, you know that's horrifying. No. <laughs> no, no, I know it's time to wake up. No, I, know, I wouldn't do jo- that. No. Yeah, isn't that horrible? Um, no, I am concerned, though, that, like, what if I just am like this? And, like, Ooh. I just will always feel tired and never feel like I have energy. Mm. Uh, so that's something I'm wrestling with. Sure. Uh, but I guess there, are, like, it's, there must be some sort of company knowing, like, if it is just, like a, like, a physical fatigue thing, like, maybe it's just some sort of deficiency. No, I wish it was some sort of... Di- like easily spottable problem, you know, like you're anemic. Ex- like literally, I wish it was like my like I've had blood tests recently that have come back all fine. Like I wish it was something like your iron's just really low, or you're not eating right, or but no, vampires still think you're vampires delicious. still love me, yeah. still chomping down. Yeah, um, and yeah. So moving on from that, that's one huge update from me. Mm-hmm. Um, do I have any other fun updates? Not really. No. Playing some video games. Mm-hmm. 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 So I'm gonna give my week seven and a half. For all the hours that I slept during that sleep study. Oh, great. You like that? Yeah, I do. Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's that's where I'm at. It's a bit. I'm I'm in a turbulent place, and I'm not feeling too happy about it. But we're gonna get there, guys. Yeah. Sometimes life is ups. Most of the time, it's downs, <laughs> and you just gotta r- ride the ups and the downs on a toboggan, on a big toboggan, and some. In that toboggan might be made out of wood. It might not. So some, the ups and downs the ups, are a hill. Let me finish. Uh, you were in the no, middle I was of that. Down, I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I was in one of the ups, okay. and now I'm on one of the downs. Okay. And I've always said that. Yes, yes. But at least you're not in Morocco. At least I'm not in Morocco. <laughs> Sorry to take the words out of your mouth. No, yes. it's good. <laughs> Save me some time. Do you want to talk about some theater? Look, fine. Yes. You always sound so angry. I am. Let's do it. James, we're recording. Say love me. Is that the words to that song? I don't know. I went to see Jackie. Oh. <laughs> oh? Jackie O? No. Oh. No, no, no. Not ever since last time. I went to see a show at the MTC, the Melbourne Theatre Company. I'm familiar. Yes. Yes. Called Jackie. Okay. Uh, it was written by Declan Ferber-Gillick, and it was directed by Mark Wilson, who have both already collaborated with each other on another work in the past. So Exciting. fun. They're a creative team. It's good that they get along. They seem to get along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so went along. Yep. <laughs> to the theatre. Good on you. It was in the, um, oh god, what's it called? The Sumner? Sure. Is that the one under the spire? It's one of the ones under the spire. Or is the Sumner, the playhouse is the one down under all the white boxes. <laughs> the playhouse is the one with like a proscenium arch. Isn't the Sumner in the South Bank Theatre? Yeah, it's it? the one that's sort of like, a th- or like almost a thrust. The one that's like a semicircle? Yes, so it was the Sumner. Great. That one? Nailed it, guys. Great. <laughs> Went along to see Jackie at the Sumner Theatre in the MTC. You're saying that with a lot of confidence, and I don't think you have that confidence. No, I'm saying it now. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm committing, so. Okay. Um, yeah, so, um, waddled on in. Got there on time. Look at you! I know, I'm so proud. But <laughs> they're early, in fact. Everyone I've spoken to about your tale of coming in late tends to be on my side. <laughs> What's your side? That they would leave? That they wouldn't go? What? what? The they, side... They, they hate When me? I tell people that you went into Loaded half an hour late... <laughs> yeah? Honestly, they tend to get, like, distracted by the details of the story. But, yeah, people are impressed with your bravery. Oh, well, thank you very much, people. I'm a very brave person, but also I just didn't want to be left alone. Um, yeah, so I didn't have to do it this time. Okay, great. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, we were sitting there in row E, I think, and there was, like, this really elderly couple next to us, two women next to us. Mm-hmm. And this, at one point... Who were you with? Flynn. Okay. My boyfriend. Uh-huh. Of two years. Right. Thank you. So we sat there and there was this like elderly group of women next to us. And at one point this like younger couple sort of came up and were like, I think you're in our seats mm. to these two older women. And these poor older women just sort of had to like slowly get up and move and go to their seats. And I just thought... How far off were they from their seats? One row behind. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I would just take the seats behind them and not bother these old women. Why would you assume that they are the seats that you're meant to be sitting in then? What do you mean? Like, what, it's not as if they knew that they were the old women's seats. No, they did. They, what? Oh, oh so when, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, right. you're right. Yeah, yeah no. I just thought it was interesting. But also, maybe, no, it is interesting. No, and it like feeds <laughs> back to my very... No, it is in the way that it feeds back into my very interesting retail of the Moroccan classic, The Blue Caftan. Uh-huh. Because as I often find when I go to Cinema Nova, it, it, there tends to be like big groups of older people that just mm. sit wherever they want. And yes. more often than not, it's where my seat is supposed to be. But what are you going to do about it? No, and I'm fine with it, of course. Like, yep. do whatever you want, that's fine. But th- I just, <laughs> and then always, I just then have to go through that anxiety of like, okay, so now I have to pick like somewhere so absurd to sit. That no one else would be sitting so there. That I, yeah, yeah, so that I don't accidentally take someone else's seat. And oh my God, can you imagine the nightmare of having to be like, have that conversation of like, you well, actually... I sat here because they sat there and I couldn't <laughs> tell them to leave. One of my least favorite conversations to ever even like, conceive of having is the... 
I think you're in my seat. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. Let me just, you know, humiliate myself in front of this auditorium yeah. of people. Yeah, nightmare. fair enough. No, that's a nightmare. You know? So it's just... In a terms nightmare of, that I could conquer, apparently. You could, and I wouldn't. I'd know I'd have to go. <laughs> You'd have to leave. Uh, so it's a naturalist show. Jackie is. Jackie. Great. Yes, Jackie. Yes. Um, it's like a, the, the lights come up. It's a regular old set. Like it's... You're like... Yeah. <laughs> From some other show. From some other show. Fucking that. Um, but it's like... It's like... It's, it's divided up into different rooms from the look of it. So it's got like a living room, like a very, very classic... You know, like very classic, modern, heartless built apartments that yes. are just yeah, yeah. Everything is like silver. Everything's silver, or like all the cupboards are white, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of the floor is like linoleum, but it looks like floorboards. Everything looks like very aerodynamic and characterless, and you will slip off everything. Yes, yes, yeah, you do know. Um, <laughs> wow, you've yeah. been in places. I have. Um, so, like a quarter of the stage looks like on the right hand side looks like that it's got like a fridge it's got a little table it's got a couch mm. so that's an apartment yeah. on the left hand side is the bedroom so it's this big beautiful bed with lights and a little chair and a table mm-hmm. and then there's like a bar table and bar stools in the front where mm. we sort of start off and we meet our first characters ooh characters uh-huh. <laughs> so there's four in the show yep um, there is Jackie, mm. oh, of course. Of course. Um, from the title. From the title of yeah. the show, played by Guy Simon. <laughs> cool. Um, so Jackie's the lead. He's like this young indigenous man living in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a go-getter. He's saving to buy an apartment that he's living in. Mm-hmm. He's got like a... Uh, he's Wait, he's going to buy the one he's already living in? That's yeah. the plan? Okay, yeah, cool. that's the plan. That's yeah. the plan. Cool. Um, he's got like a professional job. Uh, he also works... <laughs> What's a professional job? Like, like, I mean, he's got a job that means he's always wearing like a suit. Oh, you yeah. Know? Like, like a suit jacket. And Just cool. one of those like, guys that's on the train. Like literally that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he also works as a sex worker, mm-hmm. which is like an interesting element of the party of the story. I'll get into later. I'm excited. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we also meet um, Keith, Great. who is Jackie's brother. Okay, and Keith is played by Gnarly Shaw. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's down from the Mish, okay, which is the mission uh-huh. where a lot of the um, his mob live. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's come down and he's crashing on Jackie's couch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so Keith's got this sort of lad energy. Okay. He's a little bit cheeky. Uh-huh. He's a bit fun, uh-huh. and he's a bit uh, more verbose than his brother Jackie. Verbose. Verbose. Louder. L- oh. Isn't verbose like louder? Like like, is that what that means? What does verbose mean? Verbose. Uh, kind of like loquacious. Not loquacious. Loquacious. Confusing <laughs> words. Using yeah, like more words. And yeah. being more talkative yeah. and saying things in a roundabout, longer way. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, good. Right. You didn't mean louder? Well, I mean verbose and loud. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Volume and quantity. Don't come for me. So Keith is down from the north. Yep. He's visiting his brother, crashing on the couch. And Jackie is... he's getting His style's getting cramped by his silly little brother. That's basically. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's trying to get Keith to, get it, to go and get a job, to get his, like, certificate transferred down to be a baker, which is apparently a thing. You is need, he- like, a... Baker, baking apprentice. He was like a baker at Baker's Delight up in wherever they were from in the north. Okay. And he needs his certificate to be a baker. Okay. Transferred down. I believe I you. Bakers needed certificates. Anywho. <laughs> um, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure they are hard workers, but you know, don't think they need certificates. Why is how hard they work in any way related to whether or not they need a certificate? I don't know. Those are just the words that came out of my mouth. Oh. <laughs> well, don't keep an eye on them. No. <laughs> so Jackie is working for a company... Um, called Segway, which is run, part of it is the, it's like a employment company that reaches out to young people and gives them jobs. And this initiative is run by Linda, played mm-hmm. by Alison White. Great. She's like an MTC legend. Yeah, yeah. Alison White. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, say the name again. Go on, why don't you? She's from other stuff. She's, she's been in things. Yeah. She was in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Who did she play? I don't know, but I saw her credits. 
So Alison White played McGonagall and the Trolley Witch in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Oh my goodness! There you go, a fun little. Her fingers got so long. So long. It was so scary. (laughs) And I guess other things happened with that character, which were worthwhile. Um, So she runs. uh, It's a a job opportunity program segue and offers Jackie a job through the group. Yep. Uh, So Jackie now works there for her, Uh and she plays one of these characters, um, Linda, who is. So well-meaning and mm. so good at sort of out- reaching out and trying to get like community outreach things started, but just so blind to how insensitive she can be. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, there's a part later on in the show. I'm going to jump around a bunch. Do it. Um, part later on in the show where she's got this um, indigenous family lined up to be a part of this night that she's running um, for like what could be key investors for their group. Uh, and the family pulls out because an elder of their their family dies, and they have to go away and do sorry business. And she can't really see that that's important. And she sort of says things like, I can't believe they would do this. Why can't even just one of them show up? And then she eventually turns to Jackie and says, wait a minute. Why don't you do it? Mm -hmm. And then sort of tricks Jackie into, not tricks, but convinces Jackie to do this sort of um, welcome to country and cultural dance of this other family. Which Ah. is a real grey sort of shitty thing to do mm-hmm. um, so that's that's just sort of the person that she is that character yep. also there is Greg Stone playing Glenn mm-hmm. and this is one of the things that I, I really one of the parts that really I loved about the show Glenn is one of Jackie's clients as a sex worker mm. and he sort of is this doofy dad he works as like an old records salesman he sells records mm. uh, but he's he's paying Jackie to indulge in a race fantasy oh my god yeah uh, so those scenes play out quite in in depth on in the bedroom. Mm. And we see it sort of happens multiple times throughout the show as we sort of learn what this whole relationship is. Um, he's recently divorced, uh, divorced because of this fantasy that he had of his wife having sex with a black man. Okay. And sort of now he wants to be having sex with a black man. Um, and it, it, it explores that sort of desire that he has. And this is really, like, con- a lot of these scenes with these two is, were really confronting. Like, you could tell a lot of the MTC audience were quite uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and he sort of has this discussion with Jackie. One of the first things they talk about uh, is Jackie sort of says, well, am I the right sort of black? Like, am I the, am I the sort of black you were thinking about? Mm. Um, and it sort of develops into this, turns into this question of sort of whether he's there for just the race fantasy or if it sort of, it slowly sort of seems to develop into this strangely lovely relationship between the two of them mm-hmm. um, where Jackie sort of offers the boyfriend experience which is like extra money to sort of spend the night and be more attentive and sweet mm. um, and yeah watching these two actors sort of play this really unusual relationship on stage mm. um, felt new and and weird and very uncomfortable sure um, I won't get I won't spoil too much of it but there is a scene towards the end where the race play sort of reaches its culmination um, culmination well I, I i say that in terms of like there's nowhere further they really could have gone with it without i don't know breaking laws um, okay okay sure <laughs> um and yeah so i just that that was very confronting uncomfortable to watch um but i think it really the, the fact that these two men could have such a lovely relationship as well mm-hmm. was quite interesting. Okay. And that sort of continues throughout. Uh, Ngali Shaw as Keith, as the younger obnoxious brother, mm. was so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it was his first big role in MTC. 
Um, and he just plays this sort of a really charming character. Um, but he, I th I th the thing that I really liked about it was the way that he just sort of plays this very believable sort of doofy guy that I think it, I, it's the sort of guy that is so hard to do on stage and not be seen as you're acting as a doofy guy. Do you know what I mean? Like he was just, he was this sort of obnoxious larrikin mm -hmm. um, who sort of couldn't understand why Jackie was so, was getting into the things that he's getting into in Melbourne. He can't quite grasp what Jackie's yardsticks of success are mm -hmm. compared to his. Like Keith is all about his family back up north, about his mob, about sort of the traditions of their families. And he can't believe that Jackie has, in his eyes, sold out. And to sort of... Oh, God, I keep saying sort of. I'm just hearing that now. Mm. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it was really making me I angry. I heard it. I heard it. I don't know why. I didn't notice. Oh, so. well, listen back. You'll hear it. <laughs> um, and there's like a really sweet scene where the two of them have uh, like a, a roast that he's made, supposedly on... A food roast? A food, like a real food roast. Comes okay. out of the kitchen. Oh, but it the wasn't like they're making like mean jokes about each other. A food roast. <laughs> Uh, food roast, food, like, right, like, okay. like a turkey or something. Some uh, sort of creature. Some sort of creature that they were made eating. They were chopping it up and eating it yes. um, on the couch. And it was this really lovely brotherly moment hmm. um, on, 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 on stage that I just really appreciated. Mm -hmm. the, yeah, I found myself, I was so interested in the relationship between Jackie and this uh, older white man mm. um, that I almost wished it had been more focused on that. Like, the actual story between Jackie and Keith, the brothers, was a was a really interesting story about um, sort of the conflicts between um, indigenous culture and capitalism and colonialism. Like, it was all about, like, you can't really succeed in this system if you are not from a white country. Like, you just... It doesn't work if you don't have that culture. And, like, First Nations um, values and beliefs just do not cannot line up with capitalism. It just doesn't work mm -hmm. um, because of the way that they value different things. Um, and that was really good and interesting and I loved it. But I just found the relationship between these two men so interesting and the, the chemistry between them was so good. The sex relationship. The sex relationship. But it turned into more than that. It became yeah. this sort of... Uh, disco like, does the, like the, I wish they had dug in more about like where does that fucked up race fantasy come from? Like what... What is that? And they, they did sort of scrape the surface of it, um, but it sort of, it fell apart in terms of like the, their relationship fell apart and they, mm -hmm. they fought. Um, before, I, before I felt it could really sink its teeth into it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's just one thing. That, that's my one gripe was just, I wish they had really gone down there. But I understand MTC, the, the fact that they went as far as they did was really impressive. Mm -hmm. Like they were uh, whipping and... And the name calling in ways that I just don't think I have heard on an MTC stage otherwise. Yeah. Um, which, and I don't know how much of that was shock value, but it's what really happened. So I guess it has to be shown. Mm -hmm. um, and on that note, another good thing about it was Jackie's gay. He's a gay character, mm. but it doesn't come into the story outside of the fact that he just is a gay man having gay sex. Okay. Like the, it, there's never really any question of. Will anyone? Ex there's no question of will. Will my my people accept me? Will my brother accept me? His brother... Did they accept him? Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but like, it's not an issue. It's but just... how would it be spoiling it if it's not an issue? Well, it doesn't. I guess there's like a line towards the end of the. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler warning. <laughs> Wait, for no, Jackie. No, no, you don't have to spoil it. But 
I, is, is is his gayness an no, issue or not? Not at all. No, oh. no. It's it's very accepted and fine. Okay. Um, and I found it really refreshing to to see, like, I mean, first of all, queer people of color on stage on like one of the biggest stages in Melbourne mm. doing a show like this mm-hmm. is in itself fantastic and really exciting to yeah. watch. But it's particularly exciting that I think often they often I feel like it's too much of a question of like here are the issues as a person of colour who's struggling and a gay person who's struggling. It was really refreshing to see his, the issues he was facing really were just about his, his culture and his identity as, as a First Nations man, mm-hmm. not as a gay man, which I feel it was just nice that it's not always just sad gay people and sad gay black people, you know? It's... <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I think it's good yeah. that there is a show out there showing a, an indigenous man who is gay... And that's not the issue. That, and ultimately, I don't. I think in the world that we're living in now, that's not the bigger issue. Like First Nations people put up with a lot more shit, I think, than a lot of gay men do. But is that treating them kind of monolithically? Like, what about all the people that do experience? Oh, totally. Like they, they, a lot of hardships due to their sexuality, on top of the issues they face due to their indigeneity as well. Well, I'm not saying that's not important. I just think it, for me, it was refreshing to see that it wasn't an issue. In this particular one show, I don't oh. know what. God, I really put my foot in it. No, you haven't. No, you just. We're just talking. Um, yeah. Because you yourself, uh, it seems like maybe you're just like personally tired of. Is it the sort of thing that is a lot of people's opinions of like we've seen enough sad gay people. It's nice when we can see. I think that's literally all it is. Even for if me. we're going to look at sad people, it'd be great if they could be gay and not sad because they're gay. But that's. I think is that's that that's exactly thing? what I mean. Okay, yeah, sure. That, that's what I mean. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how I'm saying it, but sure. that's what I mean to say. Oh, good. No, yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm not I, saying it's. We stop talking about the gays. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. Great. Let me try and put. If, to if that was your figure out better words, I only sure. really came up with that thought as we were talking. Sure. Okay. I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hear me sound this out? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I appreciate the opportunity for the First Nations story to take the real, the real spotlight. Great. Okay. I think is what I'm trying to say. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And not be sort of because div- I feel like there was a show that we saw where they tried. I can't remember what it was now, but they tried to tackle. Oh, I think. Oh, it was um. Oh fuck, Alanis Morissette. Oh, Jagged Little Pill. Jagged Little Pill, yeah. where they just took on every fucking issue in the world. They were like, racism's bad, so are drugs, and no one's getting paid enough, and gender. It was just like, okay, like yeah, we get it. But it was incredible. It was, oh, I loved it. Yeah. Still would pay to see it again. Sure. But I think it's, sad, it, it's gratifying to see them focus on one problem while still acknowledging that there are these people out there that are gay and people of colour. And it I, was I, they... But did I say they? Yeah, you said it's good that they are focusing on... Oh, I guess, like, theatre makers. Oh, okay. Like, big stages, I thought we were... Sorry. Yeah, okay, great. No, no, yeah, yeah. keep going. You've interrupted my train of thought now. You're glad that they are focusing on one problem. <laughs> yeah, who are they? That does sound As ominous. opposed to... <laughs> I had it originally, and now I've just gone back. People in charge of what gets on the oh, main stage. Oh, I'm done with this now. I can't talk. But I'm just... Okay. What was I saying, Jake? I had it and now it's gone. Why am I so bad at this? Jack a Little Pill was an example of a production taking on a lot of issues at the same time. Yes. Whereas Jackie... Ah, yeah, I feel like if they had... I feel like it was satisfying that they picked... Who? The... the I, oh, God. I see <laughs> what you say. Yeah. God, I sound like a fucking idiot. No. Um... The writer, I guess. The writer of Jackie. The writer of Jackie. You're glad that they chose to... 
focus in on one problem and really give it its moment. Okay, and then what would you say that problem is? Indigenous people trying to... I guess... The, well, I got, I, the, what I thought the major issue the show was trying to tackle was... Mm when Indigenous and First Nations people do try to get a, get ahead and succeed in, like, a capitalist, Western-run world, mm. they end up having to sacrifice a large part of their culture and identity, which alienates them from their own people. Right. Which in order means, to work within that system. In order to work within that system, which means that they're not only alienated from the other people in the system, they're mm. alienated from their own family, and that is ultimately what ends up happening to Jackie. Right. And it's a tragedy. Yeah. But it, he wanted to get ahead and succeed, and he sort of had his own ideas of what that was, but when Keith comes along, he realises that, oh shit, by doing this, I have lost the connection to my people and my culture and, and my family. Mm. Um, and to do that, to, to succeed, that's what I have to do. Um, and I think, it's, I think the most interesting thing about the show is it really clearly highlighted that different groups of people have such different measures for success mm -hmm. that can't often line up. Um, and when they do clash like that, it's the bigger culture that wins. Like, it's the bigger culture that crushes the other one. I think it's just sad that it's still going on, which is not a new thought and not an interesting thing to say, but that's what I walked away from this show feeling. I thought mm. it was really fucking depressing. Sure. Um, and I think what I'm trying to say in my long roundabout, befuddled, <laughs> um, tiptoeing way is that that's the story that the writer wanted to tell, and I'm glad that's the story he told. And I almost think... Do you, you know that that's what the... just? No, I don't know that okay, firsthand, but sure. that's what I felt. Yeah, cool. Yeah, maybe, I, yeah. Um, and I'm glad that's... I guess I'm just saying I'm glad that's the story he told. <laughs> okay, because you found the story stimulating and it seems like an important thing to talk about? Yeah. That's why you're glad? That's exactly right. Great, okay, cool. That's exactly it. Great. Yeah. Cool. I had a good time. Good. I, I wish... I, I think in a non-MTC space, that storyline of, like, the really uncomfortable stuff of the race play could be pursued in, in, in like, a more in-depth way. And obviously, I'm, I don't... I don't know if that's necessary or not, but it's definitely interesting. Sure. Um, and in terms of you wanting it to go further into the race play and the whole sexual mm. element of the story that gets told, yep. is that more to satisfy your taste for confronting theatre? Or do you think it could have more no. clearly showcased and explored a theme or something. Well, I think the, 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 like, the conversations those men were having were all about, like, pardon me, they didn't really go into where that sort of fantasy came from, which, which I thought was a bit odd, um, but they, they sort of, the things they discussed were, like, the record play, like, oh, God, I don't even know. But, like, <laughs> are you talking in terms of, like, sexology? Like, you want to know where this... Oh, it's definitely interesting from that point of view. But is that what That's not why, though. No, I think the actual conversation between these two men was really illuminating to the different sort of people out there and how they perceive uh, race and culture and sex work and class. I think that's the sort of conversations that they were sort of teetering on mm -hmm. and could have had more of. And the story, the conversations they had in the story in the play were to service the actual story that was going on that I can't get into because there is like a little bit of a plot twist that okay. is sort of pivotal for this show. Sure. Um, so the conversations they were having were more like serving that story. But I think if they sort of let it sort of take its own center stage, I think it could really unearth some interesting things in the psyche about like how we even like fetishize black people, how, how, where that comes from and, and how ongoing and, and, and prevalent that is, I think could be really interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to write it. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. Right. Sure. And yeah. you... Okay. What, Great. What's this? No, nothing. No, no, I'm just, yeah, thinking about the dramaturgy of it and what you're suggesting. Uh, sure. Sure. I'm just wondering, yeah, like with it 
Because certainly that was a, a thing that was decided at some point during the development process of the work and the writing mm. of the work. And I wonder if the absence of that like satisfaction that you're looking for textually is potentially something that you're meant to go away and work out for yourself. Yeah. Not that you're even saying it as like a shortcoming that should be fixed in order to make the show better. No, no. But I don't maybe think your so. desire for it is maybe meant to incentivize you to explore it in yourself and, and in, with oh, the yeah. people that you know and are talking to. But here's the thing. I don't think any of the people that saw that show, mm. uh, the MTC audience mm. um, of predominantly older white people, mm-hmm. I really doubt they're going to walk away and have any of those conversations. Why? I just don't... It, I'm, a, I'm not trying to generalise, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that see that show are like people that just do not talk about that. How do you know that? Because my grandparents are some of them, and sure. if they came away from that show and sort of discussed the themes that were on display in that in those particular scenes, I would be so shocked. Sure, sure. But people I, have a capacity to be surprised. Oh, totally. Look, look yeah. I, because that perspective is a bit ageist. It is. It's fully ageist. I admit that. But I don't know why. Why am I believing that? I just. Well, you know your grandparents. Well, my grand. I think that's exactly the reason. I just, sure. I just. I think they're going to walk away, feel shocked. Hmm. Definitely, I'm not saying they're not going to enjoy the show, but I think that the shock value will prevent them from, at least my grandparents, the shock value would prevent them from talking about it. Like, okay. the, the, the interesting things that we're sort of trying to get onto, I just don't think I'd see them pursuing it further okay. than saying, I've seen the show. Sure. Sure, mm-hmm. well, maybe that's like, because I think, you know, shock value, of course, is like a, a decent defibrillator in terms of people waking up to a few of their own thoughts about things. Mm. And maybe with your grandparents, they would be made to be like, consciously aware of the way that they feel about a thing and they will not change their mind but maybe very similar people to them will be forced to look at their opinions oh, and God, instead yeah. of just being like no that's how I feel they'd be like oh why do I feel like that mm. and then maybe that will be well I'm famously a stubborn that... bastard that refuses to change so I'm coming from there which may be a genetic trait apparently could be a genetic trait <laughs> yes so that was Jackie <laughs> yeah <laughs> and if you aren't a hardy maybe it changed your mind about something <laughs> <laughs> yeah James. Yeah. I went to Clayton. Oh. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. I love Clayton. There are some people, like decent people out there in I'm Clayton. I'm sure there are. Yeah. Anyway, went to Clayton to Monash University, which is where must is, because it's Monash University Student Theatre, is what that acronym Thank is. Thank explaining that one to us. No problem at all. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I went there to see Shakespeare in Love. Oh my God. Fun. The stage adaptation of the Gwyneth Paltrow movie. Oh, it's great. Okay, cool. Which apparently, <laughs> rumour is that Gwyneth Paltrow stole the script from Winona Ryder. As and in, that's why did Winona Ryder have the script? Because she was like being considered for the part. Oh, okay, right. She didn't write the show. Uh, what? what? <laughs> Winona Ryder had like Winona Ryder had like written the script. You thought Shakespeare. Winona Ryder? Yeah, that's what I thought you meant by that. <laughs> Wait, to be clear on what you thought, you thought Winona Ryder wrote the script for Shakespeare in Love. Gwyneth Paltrow stole the script. Let me clarify. And... <laughs> I thought you were implying ah. that Winona Ryder. Wrote Shakespeare in Love. Wrote Shakespeare in Love. No. No. <laughs> no. Nope. But no. So, That's a fun fact. Yep. Yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> so you went along. I did. I went to, yep, to the Alexander Theatre, which is in like the beautiful performance, like, like that was not there in the state that it currently is in when I was at Monash. Well, neither was the course. The course is no longer there either. Uh, my discontinued uh, <laughs> Bachelor of Performing Arts. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a beautiful theatre there, the Alexander Theatre. And yeah, that's where we went. We being just me and my brain going to Shakespeare in Love. So many voices. 
in my head, mm. indeed. Which is a theme <laughs> that will come back later. You oh, wait. Oh, great. I'm excited. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, went. was in, like, the fourth row from the front, I'd say. Oh. I sat next to the aisle so I could leave if there was a fire or something. You know? Or you just hate the show. Oh, of course. Bye. <laughs> Storming out. Get up and just <laughs> snore and walk out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so went there, sat down, and the show started. So do you know like much about the plot? You, I guess you just found out that it's a movie. No, that I've seen the movie. Writing, I've seen write. the movie. Oh, you've seen it. I've seen the movie. For some reason, I, th- I thought it was based off a book, but maybe I'm wrong. Sure. Well, I guess it's sort of based on a number of plays. Sure. Because <laughs> you know William Shakespeare. I've heard of him. Who was actually Amelia Bassano. Amelia Bassano! <laughs> was Amelia Bassano in the show? She was not in the show. We need to start prefacing every Shakespeare show with, was Amelia Bassano in this? Oh, yes. Mm. Well, in a way she was, because her words are beautiful. Okay. But, you know, um, let's set that aside for the moment. I have seen the movie. <laughs> Great. What did you think of it? I like the movie. I think it's fun. Yeah? Yeah. Was this, because they did a, there's a, there was a production of this show, of the, the stage show of Shakespeare in Love. Um, of, like, the MTC year? did it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. I think mm-hmm. my grandparents did you see it? That. No, Your I grandparents saw it. Yeah, they said they hated it. <laughs> no, they loved it. Um, great, go on. So uh-huh. Must did it. Must did it, yes. They at the Alexander the Theatre in Clayton, which you love. I love. <laughs> um, it was directed by Yvonne Versick, mm-hmm. who like runs Must. Yep. She's great, of course. Good. Directed the production of Spring Awakening that I was in. Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's the first time I ever saw Jake Stewart. Uh-huh. Yeah. What a night. What a night <laughs> For <it> you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the plot of Shakespeare in Love. So it was like, Shakespeare... Has in love. <laughs> yes. Do I need to go slower? Yes. <laughs> Could you? Shakespeare kind of vaguely has writer's block and he has to... Okay. <laughs> Immediately off the... Bl- like off the bat. Off the bat? Off the block? Is that what divers jump off, off the, the bat? Blo- off the bat. Yeah. Bear in mind my stupidity. Rawr! There is... <laughs> There is a plot point that, that was a I, bear in Jake's mind. There was not a bear in my mind. Oh. I there's, there's an element of the plot that I have not seen the movie for a long time, and I think it confused me then as well. There's a point in, and I'm I I know that it's my fault that I couldn't fully grasp. Just say this. the thing. Okay, the thing is, so Shakespeare has to write a play. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yes, sure. I think he has to write a second play as well. <laughs> what? I'm a stupid person. So there's this whole thing around. He's like. He's already written a play and that's getting performed for Queen Elizabeth. Yes. Then he has to write a second play because one of his pals has promised the play to some fancy man who also needs a play written. And so there's this ongoing thing that is integral to the plot to an extent where it's like Shakespeare has to write one to two plays for competing wealthy people. Oh, okay. Okay, but that, in my mind, falls to the background because I don't fully grasp what that is. <laughs> you write plays. I do. Uh, yeah, but I don't watch them very cleverly. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Um, okay. All that is to say, William Shakespeare has a bit of writer's block and needs to write at least one play. <laughs> but maybe two. <laughs> Depending. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. So okay. he's writing the play... And it's cool. at this point, at the start of the play, it's sort of like tentatively titled Romeo and Ethel. And so... <laughs> I'm Ethel! <laughs> and yes, so he's like developing the work that eventually, of course, turns into Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Yes. And meanwhile, this like woman named Viola, she's like an unhappy, she's this very like... So she's, <laughs> she's played by Chelsea Rabble. And she's like quite distinctly, which made her like fun to watch. She was like distinctly quite... Like, cold and angry <laughs> and, yeah, quite frustrated. She's one of those, like, 
classic, I'm wealthy, and I'm sort of, uh, sort of like Jasmine in Aladdin. <laughs> sure. I'm sort of imprisoned by my wealth and privilege, and I wish I could be a bit more free and pursue the things that I care about, which are things like, for her, for Viola, played by Chelsea, is like poetry and drama. And she spends the whole show and much of her life wanting to be in the theatre and being an actor, but of course you cannot be a woman and be on stage yes. in Shakespeare's London. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, so Unseemly. In order... Pardon? Unseemly. Very unseemly, and also against the lower. Because it's unseemly. Yes, law is built upon what is seemly and what is not. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and so, in classic Shakespearean fashion, <laughs> Viola dresses up as a man named Thomas and auditions for Shakespeare's new play. Terrific. Uh, yeah, terrific? Yeah. You love a moustache? I, lo- I love any of those gimmicks. I love it. Yeah? Yeah, I love any time there's cross-dressing. Uh, sure. And then, yeah. So, yeah, goes and auditions and, yeah, gets involved with this collection of people putting on what is developing into Romeo and Juliet. Um, before I continue, I just want to, like, <laughs> I just want to say the name of Adele Catanazzi because I thought that the costumes were beautiful. She was the costume designer. And oh, great. It was just great. Like, everything that Chelsea wore as Viola, like, Josh Graham playing Will Shakespeare had so mm. many, like, beautiful outfits to get to wear. Like, this whole ensemble oh. was really big ensemble. Yeah, just looked fantastic in, in what they were wearing. I Great, all in their like Elizabethan roughs. Yeah, and I also just wanted to like, before we get into like the nitty gritty of things and like talking a bit more about the plot as well, I just want to like point out a couple of like incredible members of the ensemble, like some like supporting characters and supporting performances that I thought were great. And just want to say that Piper Knight and Kiasha Kahump and Wick Ramage were just were tremendous people that, <laughs> that oftentimes were occupying sort of the, the, the background of scenes or... Um, Piper, especially towards the end, had much more to do in her position of being like one of the assistants to one of these wealthy people. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, just tremendous comic timing and just like a, a really like warm, excellent, engaging comic presence oh, on fab- stage. Fabulous. Um, yeah, but yeah. So, <laughs> Josh Graham as Will Shakespeare, thinking about art, and it's like a, so a, a theme of the work that I really related to a lot was <laughs> I went into this show very much like Jake, don't cry, you dumb baby. Because <laughs> did you expect to cry? I expected to cry because it's like a love story, obviously, uh, and it's a show about making theatre. Oh, and that's true. just like two things that tend to make me that's emotional. Your a little bit. It's <laughs> I have several hundred kryptonites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a thing to have in the in the in, in, in your the old noggin. noggin. In the old noog. And so it's something that I really like responded to, of course, and really enjoy people telling stories about is not just making theatre but also the experience of like which is the one that Will Shakespeare goes through in this show is one of like kind of not really being able to at least in this instance write unless they are moved to by something like love which is certainly a thing that I really really relate to in my own practice and you know effort to live effectively how's that going? (laughs) Um, it's going really well actually everyone should get into the theatre it's really fulfilling and reliable (laughs) and I'm very rich as well (laughs) in that way I, I also want to point out Eric Stone um, plays Ned Allen, who's this actor that comes in to be part of the production of Romeo and Juliet, lured to do so by the, the, the promise of Mercutio, the role that he's in, like intended to play being the lead, hmm. which comically, of course, no, it's not. But I <laughs> really appreciated <laughs> Eric's work as Ned being sort of the, the character that comes in to like treat theatre really seriously and wants the ensemble to be very strong and is mm. happy to make sort of like selfless sacrifices in aid of the work. Oh, it was really? just like, it was a character that I didn't know that I really wanted and needed but found really, like, yeah, to be one that was like quite resonant with me and one that I just enjoyed watching. And he has this very like syrupy honey voice. I just really oh. enjoyed listening to him talk. Yeah, lovely. There was an audition montage. Always fantastic. Ever since, I believe, Bring It On invented it. Uh, all the producers... <laughs> Sure. Is he? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yes. That's yeah, one of the yeah. one of the better ones out there as well. Okay. Sure. Much. What All else? Right. Um, a Pitch Perfect has an audition monologue. It does. Montage. Zoom, 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 zoom. zoom, zoom. <laughs> 
Josh Graham as Will Shakespeare, very welcomely, and this, I don't want this to sound like I'm simplifying anything because his performance was very impressive, but definitely just so you, James, and you, sweet listener, can picture it more vividly what oh, he was getting us. up to. Like, yeah, <laughs> lucky all of you indeed. Mm. Yes, his performance had a very, like, Orlando Bloomly essence to it. Like, it was oh. a very, like, understated, swarthy, kind of, like, eyebrow furrowy, that type of, like, Sure. Soft but assertive masculine Like a land of bloom in Pirates of the Caribbean. I suppose that performance also, like, kind of a bit with, like, the glumness of his performance in Elizabeth Town, I suppose. You, you know, know how Elizabeth, like, Orlando Bloom. You know I haven't seen that. <laughs> you should have by now. Elizabeth <laughs> And Town. that is now two Kirsten Dunst movies we've talked about in this one conversation. Lucky As- us. Lucky, <laughs> lucky us. I love stuff. But, you know, yeah, I don't know. Just the presence that Orlando Bloom br- like, brings to the table. I don't know. I don't recall sure. his Legolas effort very well. No, no, no. I'm not thinking Legolas. I th- I'm thinking solely Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, he's sort of he's sort of in love and sort of always walking around and, and being, yeah. And coping, but yes. And coping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even, too, it was like maybe even like a Heath Ledger in, like, a Knight's Tale. Yes. Yeah, he very similar energies. these things? Yes. Yeah, I just want to say that, yeah, he was very, very, very like... Watchable end. Would you say he was very Rob Mills in Anne Juliet? Oh, incredible comparison. I'd say if you take Rob Mills's performance as William Shakespeare in Anne Juliet and maybe add more downcastedness. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I can see that. Yes. Yeah, Rob Mills's performance being one more playful, mm. whereas Josh's, I would say, is a bit more forlorn, I think. Sure. For, that makes sense for someone in love. I suppose. Mm. Good on you, um, Josh. <laughs> um, I've already done this before on this podcast, but I just think Lucas Rent is incredible. Oh, sure. What else did you see Lucas in? He was in um, the, the Death to... What is it? Kill All Climate Deniers? Is that what it's oh, called? Oh, yes, yes, yes. He was incredible in that. He's just kind of just like this long electric man, and I just <laughs> find him to be so exciting. And he plays Christopher Marlowe, who's like a pal of William Shakespeare, who's also a writer. I was going to say, is he the opposing writer? Yeah. Well, not yeah. even opposing. They're like supporting each other. And it's like, oh, that's nice. I really appreciate it, especially in wake of being such an advocate for the journey of Amelia Bassano as a literary character Mm. um in this show the depiction of william shakespeare's writing like methods and the way that his work comes about is through a lot of collaboration Mm. and it was nice to see right and Mm. to not treat him as this like weird word of writing yes Mm. he just like goes away to his palace and then comes back with his perfect plays made it was nice to see that that's really lovely yeah and for those of you who don't know amelia bassano is who people think shakespeare actually was uh, well, who we, Jake thinks it was. Well, that's, <laughs> I feel like we've mentioned Amelia Bassano a few times. Yes, it's important to know that, mm. yes. A Jewish, Italian, Moroccan. Was she Moroccan? You as well as the blue caftan? Yeah. Oh yes. my God. Oh she my may God. have spoken Arabic. I love a Moroccan motif. Why are you staring at me like that? <laughs> well, no, I just wanted to see what else you had to say. <laughs> no, that's all. But yeah, no, I don't think Lucas Rent's incredible. Great. And, yeah. I'd love to see this long electric man. <laughs> um. Oh, and I also just want to say... <laughs> Remember, this originated when we started talking about uh, like Olivia Lowry's brother's production of Spring Awakening yes. that had the really snaky Hanshin in it? Yes. Yes, yes snaky I, gay I'm, with you, I'm with you, snaky gay Hanshin. Yes, no. I'd say more cat-like. But, oh, but the, oh, the snaky evil one. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. And uh, this glorious return to like a Jafar-style yes. villainy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we can definitely add Xavier Walters' performance as Lord Wessex to this canon oh. of... Um, a man who is into Viola and so presumably, at least in the function of the show, a heterosexual man mm. <laughs> pursuing <laughs> um, the, the, the marriage with Viola. 
oh. with I'm not going to tell you how successful he is Stop in this pursuit, it. but one of the, I believe it's the introductory scene where we first meet him, and I think he's talking to Viola's father, I believe, up on this balcony that is part of the set designed by Nathan Burmeister, and they're up there <laughs> talking about his desire to marry Viola, and the two of them are just having this snake off. It's incredible. Oh, magnificent. Oh, my God. And it's... Oh prince Abubu. <laughs> it is time to say goodbye to Prince Abubu. <laughs> the two of them are just up there in their beautiful outfits. Oh. And just like, so... <laughs> More of that. Because bear in mind, they're also... They're all Londonites. So they're all talking not like this. <laughs> Strangling bunches. <laughs> I've only got one setting. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're all doing London voices. Oh. But it's, yes. More of that. More but of that. With the snakiness, Xavier's much more like, oh. <laughs> what a terrible you can just say reproduction. Gay. Not gay. No, not gay, but there's like a campness to the yeah, villain no, in totally. the way it like, looks and behaves. And it's like the sort of villain that wears a black turtleneck and a gold chain. Mate, not far off. That's the colour scheme yeah. of it. Like, yeah, Great. for the bulk of it, he's dressed almost, you know, like, remember, <laughs> is this too esoteric? What the Duke in the recent production of Moulin Rouge was yes, wearing? Yes, you know I, was that, d- like, I was gonna bring up the Duke from the Moulin very, Rouge. The very, like, figure hugging, somehow quite. The gay seeming, but like it's like a black and gold yep. body thing that yep. Xavier is. Wearing. It's almost like a ballroom dance situation. It's almost like uh, like a bull guy. What's a bull guy called? A matador. matador. It's almost like a matador yep. energy that yep. this outfit is. Yeah, bringing oh, magnificent. to the table. Oh, magnificent! That and like this long, beautiful hair. Who was the and, costume designer again? Oh, the costume. It was Adele Catanazzi. Good on you, Adele. Yeah, and genius. And yeah, yeah so it's like yeah, he's got this ponytail, this great outfit, and is just going around and has a little cape as well. And it's oh. just oh, I'm up to something. Mincing around. <laughs> Oh, I'm not going to say mincing. That feels homophobic, but... <laughs> I can say mincing. You can say mincing. I'm gay. Of someone else, though? No, absolutely. Mincing... Mincing... Isn't mincing just... I've always thought of mincing as sort of like... Like, almost like chewing the scenery. Like, mincing around and being a little bit... Just, yeah, a bit gay. I think... <laughs> yeah, a bit gay. Mincing around. Being gay, which is inherently a villainous thing to be doing. I yeah. think it's time to reclaim the gay villain. Let's just do it. Yeah. No, I'm absolutely, yeah. yeah. Into that so he's sure. mincing around. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm not saying that, but I was very grateful for the presence uh-huh. and the nature. Tiara Pyers as the nurse, too, is just like, oh, this very, like, recognizably sweet, like, almost like, it seems to almost feel out of a Disney film, her performance as the nurse. Mm. One of just a very, like, doting, passionate, warm-hearted, like, I'm going to help Viola with her schemes kind of thing. Oh. Of, like, almost felt a bit like the, <laughs> I forget what her position was. You know, in 101, Dalmatians is she the maid the one that oh, like oh yeah 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 she always she gives me sort of like the teapot from line um, from um Beauty and the Beast vibes sure sure yeah yeah yeah, that type of thing. But yeah, but yeah, Tiara, the, the, the writing of and performance of this character was like a bit more intelligent than maybe these characters are in the Disney canon. You mean the teapot that can talk? <laughs> Tiara is smarter than a teapot. That's and good. Good on you, Tiara. <laughs> yeah. Um, Great. But yeah, oh my God, you know that terrifying scene in 101 Dalmatians, the animated version, where Horace and Jasper break into the house while the maid is home by herself and she has to try to stop them from breaking in and taking all the dogs away? Oh my God, I don't remember that. Oh my God, it was so upsetting. No, I remember Cruella Deville riding and like her insane eyes. That's all When I she's driving the car. Yeah, that's all I remember of the animated movie. Can you imagine wanting a coat that badly? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. That feeds directly into an, a very unnecessary conversation about the plot of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Cruella DeVille would have made a really good brother in terms of wanting a coat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Methinks! <laughs> Me thinks we may have gone off track a little bit here. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, here's something that maybe it's not even worth talking about. <laughs> but you're gonna soldier on and I do am, it. I'm anyway. gonna do it very bravely. Right. Um, 
<laughs> this is purely a taste thing. You know the scene in Romeo and Juliet, which does get staged in this show because in the show they stage Romeo and Juliet. Uh, sure. Okay. And so, <laughs> you know how, not that my father knew this until a week ago. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> believe you are my son. <laughs> Another great one for the father-son quote book. <laughs> um, you know how the, 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 they get poisoned? <laughs> you know there's the poisoning? Yeah, I remember. Do you, are you, do you also feel there's this thing where it's like when people drink poison, it's always in like almost a comically small bottle? Yes. Yes! Yeah, it's always like a little like nail polish bottle or something. It's like a little, I feel like it's oftentimes like a like a semi-transparent little green thing. And oh, it's a always cork, green. And there's a cork in the top, and when it comes off it goes yes. <laughs> And then you guzzle down that little, like a few drops of poison that's inside. That's apparently like, very strong I suppose? It must be very strong. That's the thing, in my mind while watching this show I was like, oh there's another tiny little poison bottle. Hang on, why are like poison bottles always so little? I want to see someone pull out the Romeo and Juliet poison, have it be like a 1.25 litre like poison. a barrel. I mean, not a barrel <laughs> like, I think is too barrel. <laughs> I don't think you can afford a barrel. Hold on, I've just got, oh, I've just got more, 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 more. a barrel of poison? But yeah, no, but I'm thinking like a 1.25 litre thing of poison and I want to see you guzzle the entire thing. <laughs> That's really funny. Do you want to die or not? I mean, yeah, you want to make sure. But also, wait, wasn't the poison... The poison is the stuff that doesn't kill her, right? But there's a second poison. The poison that he takes. Oh, shit, he kills himself with poison as well. I thought he stabbed himself. She stabs herself. She stabs herself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she wakes up to find him. And then she's... Oh, and then, like, I'd say what I'm like... I think it... Yeah, reflecting on it, I think leapt out as maybe my favourite moment of Chelsea's performance as Viola. Okay. Um, Which was, yeah, which was, like, enchanting and odd and... Yeah, for all the things I've said and will continue to say, was cool across the board, but I'd say cool, one of my least favourite adjectives. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, but I'd say the standout moment for me where I was like, oh, this woman is a really good actor, <laughs> which again is such a boring thing to have in it, like that sort of revelation. But you're really and I was like, oh, it. Chelsea's really talented. Um, the moment where, so bear in mind at this point, she is playing Juliet inside the play Shakespeare uh-huh, in uh-huh, Love. Okay, uh-huh, so we're uh-huh. already two layers deep. Yeah, I love it. As you can relate to in your inception trap that you are currently yes. in. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting um, to wake up. I'd say one of like the standout moments of her being incredible on this stage was when she had the moment of. Um, like kissing Romeo on the lips hoping that there'd be enough poison left there for her to die as well oh yeah so she bends down and kisses him and the way that she recoils in in the moment that she realises that he is still warm from having only recently died oh was stunning oh wow it was like what a little moment oh my god it was great Oh my god! And then watching her stab herself, I was like, and she didn't need to be good at this point, you know, because she's playing Viola, playing Juliet. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess she's Viola's a good actor. <laughs> Viola's really good. Good actor, Viola. I'm gonna partially applaud Chelsea for her contribution to Viola's performance. Yes, terrific. as Juliet. <laughs> wow, that sounds like I hadn't even thought about that moment. That's the thing. Neither yeah. had I until it happened. I was like, oh my god, that is so upsetting. And it's wow. like, yeah, classically, Romeo and Juliet's ending is not a bag of like gags. <laughs> Anytime it's not someone a gag can bag. do something new with Shakespeare, even if it's not actual Shakespeare, that's great. But it's not even new. Like that moment no, should be gigantic. Totally, but totally. it just never but smacked me before. Never, I've never seen it. Yeah, you've never seen Romeo and Juliet. No, I've never seen like that particular beat be trans- translated yeah. like that. Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I think well, and while talking about the the feature of theatrical like like theater work inside of the grander work of Shakespeare in Love, he well said, said very very, very <laughs> cleanly and succinctly. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm just always so into any time that you see any version of like 
even in Bernard Hamlet that I did not enjoy very much. It's like any anytime you're depicting a rehearsal room, a development room, all of those settings and all of those behaviours are always inherently so beautiful and I think yep. so romantic and, and part of what makes this show so moving even just on paper and in the, the very like sweet, goofy, peculiar staging that this was... It's like theatre, shit, like telling a story about being in love with theatre, I think is just so marvellous. Sure. And and this show did that really, really well. Oh, beautiful. I'm going to bring up a thing that is happening more and more frequently lately, and I think therefore maybe we need to fashion some sort of term for this. Okay. But it happened when I was watching Puffs yep. the other week, and it happened in this as well. Yep. And it, so... This isn't spoiling anything because it's a somewhat old contemporary movie mm-hmm. and also it's history generally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But when Kit Marlowe dies, like the character that Lucas Rint is playing, yep. the distress I felt was more for losing Lucas from the cast than it was from Christopher Marlowe oh, dying. Actor death. <laughs> and it, I felt it in puffs because of that wonderful actor dying as... Cedric Diggory, and I thought I wouldn't get to see him for the next like, half of the show. And then he came back as Voldemort! I mean, that's, <laughs> that's actor death and actor resurrection. Yes, yes. So I just wanted to say, again, to loop back to me being a big fan of Lucas. <laughs> I was sad, sad, to see, sad to see him go. But, what? Well, does he return in any, any sort of fashion? Perhaps. And even just like the relationship between Will and Kit Marlowe was beautiful in the way that... Are you special... saying Will short for Shakespeare? Is it? Are you saying Will as in short for I'm William? only saying it because in the program it says Will, and every time I say it, I think, Jake, why are you saying Will? You don't know William Shakespeare. My close friend it's Will. My, my pal Billy. Yeah, right, okay. Billy hear it as well. I don't like Billy it. Shakes. <laughs> Billy Shakes. Billy Shakes. Billy Wobblestick. Yeah, played by Joshy Gray Gray. Oh, yeah. Josh Graham is his name. <laughs> but yeah, there was something so... I'm saying something like I don't know what it is. A thing that was beautiful about the relationship, not just between William Shakespeare and Kit Marlowe in this show, uh-huh. um, was also the way that theatrically it put forth this idea that again I felt really like connected to as like a I don't like calling myself an artist but like as an artist and a writer and all that garbage it was really good at especially with the relationship that William had between himself and Marlowe and with Viola as well this idea of like the voices of people that you know and care about or even hate the people that exist in your head as voices that are there talking to you while you're creating art And, and that, that, what are you making that no, noise No, so it's for? coming back to the voices. I see what you... Yeah, see, you go, yes, you plant a seed, good watch a tree you, grow. Yes, so um, that being something that really sort of like moved me about Totally, about well, that also text. feeds back into like Shakespeare working collaboratively. Sure. That's so lovely. Mm-hmm. This sounds right up your alley, that whole piece For a of lot of reasons it yeah. was, yes. Which sort of brings us back to this thing of like, oh, I haven't dwelled enough on the fact of Josh being really, really great. Outside of being like Orlando Bloomy. You definitely said he's great. I mean, oh, obviously say more. I'm glad but... that came across. But yeah, um, yeah, I just enjoyed any time like, there was a lot of like, stuff happening that he found irritating. I just enjoyed watching him, especially in his moments of silence. I liked to look at that on his face. Like... I loved it when he shut up. <laughs> I loved it when he just shut the fuck up. Shut up, Josh. And just stood around doing whatever Josh likes to do. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I just enjoyed a lot of his... He was very good at being flummoxed. He was very good at like... There was just like a real understatedness to him. Like, it, I'd say for me, one of the standout moments of him proving himself as a really great kind of like comic contributor to like the funniness of the show mm. is in this really fantastic scene that happened between him and Thomas Kent, who is Viola dressed up as a man. Yep. And they've, prior to this, had their like rehearsal kiss between the two of them because of course Viola is in disguise to be a man in Romeo and Juliet yes he and they have to kiss in order to like make them better kisses on stage into like William Shakespeare is kissing Thomas Kent on stage yep that occurs gets what I consider to be a vaguely upsetting and controversial ooh from the studio audience that I saw this show for with for god's sake <laughs> 
again, it's fine. It's a student theater, and they were probably like maybe like a bunch of their pals that found it like funny or something to see that happen. Yeah. I, always scared of homophobia, is like, why is the like vague like why is the gay seeming kiss the one getting like the controversial ooh sound, but all the straight stuff just gets yeah. <laughs> like why is one of them not worthy of a yeah? Why is it just getting ooze? This isn't what I wanted to talk about. Much like <laughs> what am I meant to say? Much like the conversation that I had with Georgie about the, about the gay guy in once. <laughs> I too am just voicing the paranoid, sad, lost gay guy. <laughs> oh, it's good they have a voice. <laughs> I will be that advocate. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm just saying, why isn't man on man kiss getting a ooh? It's a bit. <laughs> and the boy girl kiss getting a old, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it's like, come on. I'm just bringing it up because I'm sensitive to it. People so are basically make... fisting on TV these days. Like, what are we now cheersing? You know? and, and I'm not saying that, <laughs> that there's anything wrong with the way that crowd responded. I'm just saying that me. Aren't a... you? It sounds like. No, you want... I, no okay. I, I'm flagging that me, as a fragile gay man, <laughs> yeah. am sensitive to nonsense like that. And I just want to validate anyone else who feels such stupid things. Champion of the people. Well done. I'm a champion of the the weak and stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You're not my champion. (laughs) I... What was I even saying? I don't know. And so, yeah, much like with Chelsea's moment of being incredible when she felt the warm lips. Uh Uh-huh. I, that's not how I wish I'd phrased that. That's how you said it, though. <laughs> um, in the moment where Thomas sort of, like, loses himself in the love that Viola is feeling for Shakespeare. Oh, sure. And while still dressed as a man, kisses Shakespeare and then sort of panically gets out of the gondola that they're in. <laughs> they're in a gondola, James. Could you keep up, Are they please? on a gondola? In this moment, they are, absolutely. Oh, my God. Was Gorgonzola there? Gorgonzola the gondolier was not present. Oh. But I'll tell you who was. Esme Strip. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Another yeah, <laughs> like mild comedic juggernaut. Um, <laughs> I'd love to be described as a mild comedic juggernaut. <laughs> mild only in that she didn't get lots and lots of time to show off how like funny she was. But this is one of the scenes where it was like, oh, this gondolier character really warming to it. I think I have a thing for gondoliers. Yeah, I was about to say, are you into gondoliers? There's a pattern emerging. Yeah, yeah. I like a guy with a big long paddle. <laughs> huh. <laughs> um, but yes, but in this moment where I was like, oh, am I obsessed with Josh Graham or not? There was this moment where after this, like, out of nowhere, like, gay kiss occurs, Thomas flees from gay humiliation, something mm. that I do not relate to at all. <laughs> You're running towards the humiliation. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then Josh, as William, like, hops out of the gondola to sort of pursue him in a way that is so, like, Sweetly understated, and I don't know. It was just, and, and that's what added the comedy to the moment. And hmm. then it was like, oh, there's these young performers. They've got some stuff going on in terms of like their grasp of, you know, how comedy and theater and drama can work. Oh, that's so lovely. You know? and that's the thing. It was, it was, yeah, it was like just like a sea of unexpected moments and decisions. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect Jake show. In, in a lot of ways, absolutely yeah. sure. But yes, so, which brings me back to <laughs> me being a loser because, of course, as I said, I went in ready to cry, but it's certain that I wouldn't. <laughs> and did you <ya>? look? <laughs> it got towards the end, and it got towards however it ends. Am I allowed to say? That? People know this text. Just Am I allowed to, don't I allowed to listen. Talk about how it don't ends? listen. Just this is the last show we're talking about this time. If you don't want to know the end of this show, just stop listening to it right now. Yeah. So it ends with Viola marrying evil Snake Man. Uh-huh. So they get married and they go off to sea together to go and live where they're going to live as a, as a married couple of people that don't like each other very much. And William Shakespeare, and he sort of has to say goodbye to her because she has to go off because mm. by this point she's married Snake Man. Go off, sis. And so she says this thing to him where they sort of like embrace for like the final time. And she says to him, write me well. Oh, that would annihilate And I was you. like, 
I'm going to kill myself in this theatre. Yeah, Jesus. It was just such a nice sentence. That's so lovely. So immaculately. I was mm. like, this is devastating. Did you cry? Look. <laughs> you still have an answer. That happens. <laughs> and then he goes about trying to start writing Twelfth Night to honour her. Mm-hmm. And then the ghost of Kit Marlowe comes back as Lucas Rint, giving oh. the crowd what they you wanted. You mean Lucas Rint comes back as Marlowe? What did I say? The opposite? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well spotted, <laughs> keen you. listener. Uh, yes. And it's like, this is incredible. And that's and then I just, yeah, started having this amalgamation thing of just like, oh my God, of just like, of course, all the things that you, being James, knowing me, mm. just like all the things yeah. I started being forced to think about that's in terms lot. of like turning love into art and trying to honour people with the art that you make of the love you feel for them. And mm. the way that Even they... the simple thing of men friends turning up for each other. Men friends talking to each other about making theatre effectively together. Yeah. I just, what the fuck? And so it was like that all hitting at the same time. And then William Shakespeare being left alone at his little desk with his little quill, writing his little play and wanting to like take the love that he feels for this woman that, and turning it into like theater for people to experience. And even though he was actually Amelia Bassano, seeing like, Josh <laughs> sitting there at this little desk, like excited to write Twelfth Night. Oh, <laughs> Just, that's so and lovely. then it ended and the bows went for the correct amount of time. Yvonne knows what she's doing. Great. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, and then the, the clapping ended and the house lights came up and the stranger woman that had been sitting in front of me the entire show turned around, looked at me and said, well, that was fun. And I was like, bitch, bitch, I can't right now. (laughs) And yeah, she was lovely. I'm glad she did that. It was very nice. It was a very needless little kick in the face (laughs) in terms of things being lovely. And then I walked out of the theatre as quickly as I could. And then I started crying as I walked to the bus. (laughs) Well done, Shakespeare in love. Really embarrassing for old Jakey Pants. Yeah, but not surprising. (laughs) Of course not. Oh, that's so lovely. (laughs) Really, really good. Sounds Sounds like it's good that you went alone. Because it would have been humiliating. No, I think it sounds like the right experience for you alone. Sure. <laughs> because Go on. I just feel like, I don't know, just sounds like a nice time for you to be alone. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> so often you're forced to be alone by just the fact that no one can bear to spend any time with you. So like, Oh, good. Sorry, yeah, I was worried yeah. that this train of thought would lead somewhere hurtful. But no, 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 never. No, no, no. That's all I had to say. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to ask you if like the idea of turning love into art brings up anything for you. Oh, um, look. Yeah. I wouldn't say my relationship with love and art are so heavily entwined as yours. Sure. Um, I, and I think the, all I would have to say about that is like, even just the simple thing of like, isn't like I, like, I know that that is why people make a lot of art, but I don't think I ever sort of felt a compulsion to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I am in love and I, I'm sort of very happily in love and I feel love strongly, I can't imagine putting that into art for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, cause, mainly because I don't know what I would do. But also, I don't feel like I need to. Like okay. I, I feel like all the place that I have to put my love is in that that person and that sort of relationship, you know. Um, and the art that I would want to make would be about other things. Um, but I'm very grateful for people that do put love into art because when it works, it by golly, it works. It makes people cry in the dark on the way to a bus. Quack quack. Yeah, um, <laughs> is what I guess I would have to say. That yeah, no, I think yeah, that that's what I would have to say. My relationship with love and art are not as heavily entwined. And because you do feel a compulsion to make art, but love doesn't push you there? No, yeah, I think that's What exactly does right. then? Honestly, selfish things. I want to be on stage and seen and I want to make people laugh. I think laughter, I'm much more uh, sort of making people feel good and happy and laughter is what I like doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or, or even just making things that are thought provoking. Not that I've ever done that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing that would be appealing to me. Yeah. But I've never found the interest in sort of discussing love. For me, mm-hmm. like I definitely sort of be in a show about love, like that's interesting, but I've never found it interesting enough for me to 
do anything about because I don't find it a big mystery. Mm-hmm. I don't think. You yeah. don't find love to be a mystery? No, not really. Because it's so simple. For me it is, yeah. Personally, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm in love right now and it's very easy. <laughs> like, like, to understand the feelings and sort of what it is, it's just, that's what it is for me. Uh-huh. Like, I don't find there's no great push to sort of explore more. It's just like, <laughs> that's what it is and it's here now and I'm very happy in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe that'll change. It has in the past. Who knows? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. Great. Yeah, Fascinating. But- yeah, I enjoy seeing everything that you make about love because it shows me that so many people love in so many different ways. Different ways? Yeah. Yeah. Very different ways. <laughs> Not very Wrong ways. ways. <laughs> Wrong ways. Ways that I simply think are ungodly. <laughs> well, we did it. <laughs> yes, we did. Another week done. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you going to Dungeons and Dragons I'm going to go play Dungeons and Dragons tonight, everybody. <laughs> um, I'm a half-elf named Shiv, and I've got a really sad backstory, surprising nobody, because that's what D&D is. It's a, a parade of sad backstories. Yeah, basically. Oh. Everyone just comes up with the saddest backstory they can, or silly backstories. There's no in-between. Is this just your collection of dweebs, or is that just... Most a... of them. Most people. Ac- most people Across in the board. Yeah. Everyone's like a survivor of a dramatic house fire. Yep. Or the dragon from Shrek 2. Okay. <laughs> Specifically Shrek 2 when it's sort of a lovey-dovey fool. So, okay. what are you doing tonight? Uh, I have to study for a big test I've got. Ooh. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I'm a mysterious nerd, you know? I agree with the second half of that. <laughs> um, we, <Anyway>. may, <laughs> we may disagree with what we've said in this podcast. Our opinions change because we're human beings. Mm-hmm. Mm. And friends don't let friends become theatre critics. They don't. They you stop don't. them. Stop them. Stop, stop them in them. their tracks. Shoot them. Kill yeah, them they start telling you that's what they're doing. You throw them down a... Well, <laughs> all right. So, uh, if you're doing a show, let us know. We would love to come and see it. We'll talk about it on this show here that you've just listened to, presumably. Yeah, thanks for being here. That's very sweet of you. It's very, very nice. We have an email, an Instagram. They're all what you think they would be. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're rushing. Are you excited to get to your nerds? Well, I am already late. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, great. Okay, speak to you all really, really soon. Love you. Miss you. Wake up. Don't, <laughs> James. Uh, don't whisper. Wake up to people. Wake up, guys. No. Wake up, sheeple. 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 Yeah, I've turned into a political thing. Come on, sheeple. All right, I do need to go. Bye.